this week it's official it's finally happening right they just announced it this last week all six of the original cast members of the mega hit show what friends yeah i know i can feel the excitement from some of you right now you're like this is yeah you're so excited about this they're coming together finally for a reunion um, it debuted in 1994. The show lasted um, for, I think, like 10 years. It's been off the air for 15 years. They haven't had a new show in 15 years. But yet there's a whole new generation of people watching it. Uh, my daughter, she's 18. Emma, she's 18. She watched every episode, um, I think, in a week and a half. Is that right? <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I did. I bought her a book afterwards, though, and said, "Here, read this. Just, just read a book. Um, whatever." No, I don't even think I did that. Thanks, honey. I'm sorry. I'm picking on you this morning, um, friends. The, a show like this became very popular for a very good reason, and it's in the name of the show, All right, friends. We want this in our lives. We are all searching for friends like this even. So I believe when we would watch this show, it would be, man, I want friends just like that. I want a group of people that I can call friends because God designed us this way. God even said early on, right? We've talked about this a couple weeks ago. God said it. It's not good for us to be alone. He created us in such a way that we need each other, and we need friendships, and this is just the way it is. So we're doing this series right now. It's called Intimacy, because we struggle, I believe, in our culture, all of us do, with this thing called friendships. And we want it now, because being friends with somebody is hard work. You like have to call them, right, and talk to them. And spend time with them. And that sometimes is hard for us because there's emotions that go with it. And if our friends hurt our feelings, what do we do and how do we do that? So we want intimacy with others, but we want it now. And I don't want to have to go through all the hassle of being your friend to get to be your friend, right? So it's tough for us to do that. So the first week we talked about this. Um, I think the big takeaway from week one was initiative. Sometimes you just have to do it. You have to take the initiative. And I get it in our culture right now. Man, there is a lot of loneliness, and I believe sometimes that can be on us. There's other people that want friends, and sometimes we have to take the initiative and find out which person might become a good friend of ours and develop that and build it. So take the initiative. Last week, we talked about Jesus and how he developed friendships, what Jesus did to create friendships, and at different levels. So Jesus had different levels. We used this chart last week or this graph. I think it shows this pretty good. Jesus had a crowd and it would be his largest group. There would be thousands of people that would follow Jesus around, mostly for food. I mean, he would feed them every once in a while and they're like, this is great. This guy feeds us. And so we're going to continue to follow him. But when he started to teach, they're like, we're out. We don't want to do any of this. Um, So they didn't want to develop that friendship. Then he had disciples, hundreds of people that were following, they were followers of Jesus, and they wanted to learn and grow and be more like him. But then he hand-selected about 12 guys, 
right? These were his apostles, and they were closer friends to his. But then he had an inner circle, like best friends, Peter, James, and John. These were his best friends, and Jesus selected these people. And we, learn, we can learn a lot from Jesus. He was, one, very intentional about his relationships. He didn't just let this happen. He was intentional about the people he spent time with and the people he didn't spend time with. But we know this, Jesus loved everyone. Doesn't matter. He loved everyone. But that doesn't mean everyone got access to him. We also learned that he came to serve everyone. But that doesn't mean he served everyone one-on-one. He came and he changed the world, but he did it by pouring into a few And we are still using this model today to continue to change the world. So I believe you need these circles in your life. You need intimate, close friends. You need a small group of friends, two, three, four people. You also need some larger groups. And as it goes out, you become less and less friends with these people. I believe as a church, Crestview, we need this model. We need little groups of you that are like really good friends to each other. It's not a click to do this. This is a model that Jesus set up. And then we need small groups of people that are learning and growing together that you can take care of each other and work in life together with. And we have this group. You don't know everybody here, but this group is important as a church. But you have choices to make of who your friends are and who you're just going to follow, right? How do you separate some of these out? So if you have your Bible, so I'm going to jump around. I'm going to use several different verses throughout the Bible today. Um, Get your Bible apps open. Um, Go here. You can follow along with us. But today, we're not going to talk about being mean to people and saying, (laughs) you're not my friend anymore. I've defriended you, right? You're you're out. But um, Jesus, he didn't do that, but yet he created tension within friendships, And if we can learn and grow from this, you're going to see that there is a tension that we have to manage when we start choosing who our friends are going to be and who, by doing that, who our friends are not going to be. So Jesus calls us to go out and make disciples, to be a light in this dark world. That's his mission for us. But in 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing to a church Paul writes it like this. He says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Can you see that tension already? Here's our mission to go and be friends with these people. But yet he's saying, but don't don't be friends with them. How does this work? Now, this verse, oftentimes when it's used, it's used to talk about marriage. You should not get married to someone who is also not a believer, but it's bigger than this. It has as much to do with friendships as it does marriage. And some of you might be thinking, what do eggs have to do with friendship? I don't even get it. This doesn't make any sense. And if you don't know history and you don't know what used to happen, Paul is actually using this term to talk about animals and how animals are used to do work before there was machinery to do the work, they would take animals and they would um, join them together with what was called a yoke. A yoke would be a piece of wood or a wooden tool that would bring two animals, yoke them together, bind them together so that they could work together to get some work done. Um, And you would never put two animals of different sizes together. 
because you couldn't put them together. It just wouldn't work. You couldn't put two animals together that one was trained one way and one was trained a different way. They wouldn't work together to get the job done. Now, maybe the same type of animal, the one has more skill than the other in an effort to train. So it could train someone else, but yet they would still be pretty close together. And I believe your friendships have to be the same way. You need to, with your friends, have the same values, the same goals, um, at some level, the same direction in your life. And those are the people you're going to do life with. We also learn it this way. Here's part of the tension. Let's go back into the Old Testament. Um, Solomon in Proverbs chapter 22, Solomon wrote it this way. He says, don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people or you will learn to be like them and you'll endanger your soul. Now, why did he say this? This goes back to something I said last week. The reason? Stupid rubs off. It, it's true. It ha- parents use it um, with your kids. Listen, believe this. This is true stuff. If you start to hang around people that are angry, you're either going to be associated with them as an angry person, or you're just going to let your anger out like they do. Don't do that or else it will endanger who you are. However, we're told to be the light in the world. There's a tension that's working here, but we're not supposed to associate with angry people. We're supposed to live righteously, but yet connect with people that are in darkness to help them out. How do we do this? So for some of you, this is going to be tough. This is going to be hard um, because there are people that you're thinking about right now that you need to unfriend. And what's going through your heart and your mind is, but I like them. I want to spend time with them, but really, you need to unfriend them. You need to not be their friends anymore because of what they're doing to you. And choosing to follow or choosing to friend somebody isn't a black and white issue. It's it's tough. I can't give you a direct steps or certain specific things of how to draw these lines. It's a gray area for it. So I want to put it this way. It's not a problem to solve as much as it is a tension for us to live in. We might not be able to solve the problem of friendships and what to do and who to um, spend time with, but yet we have to live in this tension of how much and what we do and how we can influence and how they don't influence us. So as Christians, we're called to live in this tension. Now, it's easier on Facebook, all right? So I know many of you do have Facebook. Some of you don't. You're like, Facebook, that's for my parents. Um, I get it. Um, And so you can still understand this, but you can on Facebook, and most of you know this, you can just unfollow someone and still be their friends. So you just don't see their posts anymore, you, right? You can click that little button. You can not see their posts, but you can stay friends. Don't you wish it was that easy in real life that you could unfriend somebody or unfollow them, but still they won't know. And then when you run into them at um, Walmart or the grocery store, it's not awkward. Um, it, you, we want to be able to do this all over. And I've done this many times. I've stopped following many people um, on Facebook, if, if they swear too much on their posts, if they're rude um, too many times, if they come on and say, I'll bet no one will share this, um, I, I'm like, I'm out, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm done with you, this is over. If you sh- share too many pictures of your cats, um, I'm out. <laughs> or pizza, pizza that you've made and you have... Sorry. If you're not friends with Steve, our worship pastor, um, 
you might not get it, but I'm still friends with Steve and Tisha. I'm still following and friends. For some of you, though, and let me, let me catch you on this. For some of you, Facebook is the only place that you read Scripture because your friends post verses. And if, the only, if that's the only place you get it, then keep them as your friends, all right? Don't unfollow them. Read your Bible through Facebook if that's what happens, but read it. Um, keep them as friends. Now, I get it. Don't, please don't text me or come up to me afterwards and say, don't you know the difference between Instagram and Facebook and your, your thing is Insta-macy? Um, and I, I get it. I know I'm mixing social media metaphors in this illustration, so I'm, I'm right there with you. It's a tension that I live in as a pastor. So here it is. It's not a problem to solve. It's a tension we live in. But here's a question I have received over the last couple weeks. All right, Devin, do all my friends have to be Christians? I want to take you back to the circles. I'm going to say, yes, your inner circle does. I'm going to stand on that one. I believe, yes, your inner circle needs to be Christians, if you are. Because here's what's going to happen, and it will happen. When things go wrong in your life, when things start to fall apart, you need someone who can give you perspective that you can't get anywhere else. You need someone who's going to remind you of eternal life. You need someone who's going to remind you of grace. You need someone who's going to draw you closer to Christ and the promises that he has made for you. You need that. Those people, the people that have the most influence in your life, the inner circle, they have to be also fellow believers with you. I think that's an important piece of this puzzle. They need to draw you closer to Christ. And sometimes you need that tough love. And sometimes you need someone who you can trust that's going to pull you in there. So your friendships should draw you to Christ, meaning those people that are closest to you, they need to be. Now, let's go down a couple trails. Um, just hang with me through some of this this morning. Um, some of your non-Christian friends, some of my non-Christian friends, our non-Christian friends, they might drag me into what they do. And that can be a problem. Um, they may have a habit that you're trying to stop. I'm trying to stop doing that, and they keep doing it, and it sucks you back into that thing. Or they talk in such a way that you're trying to stop talking like that. Um, And when you're around them, you start to talk like them. And you might like them because they just build you up. You might like them because they build your self-confidence, because they tell you nice things about yourself. Well, I want to say it again. Your inner friendship shouldn't draw you closer to you and your self-confidence. Your inner friendship should draw you closer to Christ. They need to make you a better follower of Jesus. Now, contrary, let's go down this trail. Some non-believing friends, some of my non-believing friends actually help me to pursue Christ more. Have You've been here, I hope. Maybe one of your non-believing friends asks you a question question about your faith and it makes you think and it makes you study and it makes you open your bible and look and see why do i believe that what do i need how do i answer their questions and it makes you a better believer because you have non-christian friends that are asking you good questions it makes me feel more compassion um now they're still not in my inner circle but i still call them friends 
So they're still somewhere in my circles that non-Christians are friends of mine. Now, Christians, there are some Christians (laughs) that are not good for me. There are other believers of the faith that that love Jesus, that are trying their best to walk um, in him. But sometimes they just spew a bunch of spiritual cliches that really don't mean much to me, but they inspire them, and it just isn't my deal. Maybe they grow in a different way than I do. Maybe they have convictions that are good, God-honoring, biblical convictions that aren't mine. And mine are good, God-honoring, biblical convictions. They're just different than theirs. For whatever reason, I have lots of Christians in my life, friends, who love and believe in Jesus, but they don't spur me on to be a better Christian. Um, They believe and follow Jesus, but they don't inspire me to believe and follow Jesus more. Now, I need to have the humility to learn from everybody and anybody, but not everybody is going to be someone who really spurs me on. And just because someone else is a believer doesn't mean they have to be in your inner circle. There's not room for everyone. In fact, Jesus gave us that example Not everyone was in his inner circle. And even some of them that were in his inner circle, he had to push back on. So let's give, I want to give you some tips. I want you to just think about this, some things that we see from Jesus in this. Um, Here's the first one. Do not let your friends distract you from God's plan. So choosing friends, who's going to be close to you, who's not. Do not let your friends distract you from God's plan. Um, If they do... If you understand God's word and what he's taught you, and someone's trying to distract you from that plan, they shouldn't be in your circle, at least the close one. There was one time Jesus said it this way. Um, He said, I'm getting ready to die. And he was telling his apostles about what was coming up for him in his life. He said, I'm getting ready to die. And they didn't believe him. They didn't think this was right. Matthew chapter 16, verse 22, Peter, one of his personal close friends, took him aside, and it says he began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And I love how it switches right away. We can't hang out at verse 22 very long. You have to read verse 23. It says, but he turned to Peter, and he said to Peter, this is Jesus saying to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God but on the things of man. Ah, that's tough. This is, a, this is a hard saying. This is rough between two friends. And it, this is not playful banter between two good friends. They're not joking it off. This isn't sarcasm where they kind of tease each other and then they move on. This was a serious rebuke. One from Peter to Jesus and then Jesus back to Peter. And Peter means well. He's thinking he's being Jesus' friend by saying this, but what he is saying is in contradiction to what Jesus knows God has asked him to do. And I love this in verse 22. If you missed it, I'm going to point it out to you here. It says that Peter began to rebuke Jesus. Like he was really getting started. He was getting ready to really let Jesus have it. He was going to go longer, and, which is what Peter does. He opens his mouth, he inserts his foot, he talks too much. He was getting ready to really let Jesus have it, and Jesus cut him off. 
Jesus did not let him continue. And I think Jesus shows us something here that we all need to embrace. We cannot let others influence our lives when their advice and their words contradict the word of God. And when we play it out and we let them influence us and it goes against the word of God, we're not following this advice. Jesus actually scolds Peter and in my my interpretation, he said, dude, shut up. Stop talking to me. You don't know what you're talking about. He couldn't allow Peter to continue. And when you feel someone else influencing your life and it goes different than what God's word teaches us, it's not being a jerk when you cut them off. It's being like Jesus. And you may have friends that try and distract you. Just a distraction. Maybe it's from church. You know, every weekend they have plans, other plans. Every, it's, it's great every once in a while. You're right. You can miss. Because they do it every single weekend trying to distract you from being here. That's, that's tough. Maybe you have friends that are very materialistic and they're, they're focused on the newest, nicest, best stuff in this world. And you want to try and keep up with them. They're a distraction to you because you know you can't be generous if you try and keep up with your friends. If I, if I go along with that, then I can't be generous and God has asked me to be generous. They're just a distraction for you, But sometimes our friends do this. They're not just a distraction. They tempt us and temptation to sin. And I'm not going to give you a list. That's, that's not my role this morning. I, you know what's right. You know what's wrong. It's not about me trying to modify your behavior um, today and tell you what sin is and what it isn't and what you should not do with your friends. That's not my job. But a couple examples. Ladies, if you're hanging out with your friends your girlfriends, and all they do is complain about their husbands. That's all they do. And that's what you do. And you jump in with it. Is that honoring? Um, gentlemen, what if all your friends, when you get with them, all they want to do is talk about other women and look at other girls? Or if the drinking and the swearing and the rudeness goes overboard all the time? It wasn't like an accident. It was like every time we're together, it goes too far. Maybe you need new friends. But I get it. Maybe what you're thinking is, man, if I stop hanging out with them, they, have, they don't have anybody else to influence them in a positive way. I'm the best good influence they have, and I'm trying to influence them for Christ. I'm trying to teach them some things. I'm trying to help them. And I feel like if I leave, there's no hope anymore. I, they need me as their friend to help them. But let me, let me give you a couple questions to think about. One is this, how long have you been doing that? If it's been a few years and they're not changing... Some people will never get it. Even Jesus had people walk away from him. And it might not be you that is their savior. So give it a good shot. But if it doesn't work, don't let them pull you down. So here's the next question. Do they pull you down more than you pull them up? And if they're pulling you back and into a life that you don't want more than you are helping them along the way, then maybe you need new friends. Now, this does not mean you stop loving them. 
It doesn't mean you move them out completely. It doesn't mean you stop loving them because I think the most important thing we can learn out of this is this third point. Do not stop loving people with the unconditional love of Christ. Uh, This is me. I'm going to say this, and I think our leadership would, would get behind this. Here at Crestview, our goal, our goal is not for you to revolve around Crestview. I don't want your life to revolve around this church. You, you have a life. I want this church to be an inspiration for you. The pinnacle of involvement, our mission is not giving. Although we teach it, we tell you about it. There's a discipline of tithing that's important to your faith for you to grow in your faith and trust God with your possessions. It's important. We're going to teach you how to be generous. But that's not our goal. That's not what the ultimate thing is for you. Or the pinnacle or involvement of our mission is not serving. Although that's very important. The concept of serving each other is, is biblical and it's true. And I need you to serve. It's, it's a good check to your pride. We need you to serve, especially as we get closer to our relocation um, efforts. And when we move later this fall, we're going to need twice as many greeters as we have. So we're going to need you to serve. We need more people teaching our kiddos um, the love of Jesus. We're going to need more of you in those classes with those kids. We need more life group leaders. Some of you are going to have to step up and lead a group for us. But that's not the pinnacle of it. The pinnacle of involvement or our mission is not even being in one of those groups. Although friendship is important, and I want you to have friends, and all of these levels are important to us, but there's something bigger. The mission, the vision, the pinnacle of being part on mission with Crestview is loving God and loving each other, bringing people closer, inspiring each other to draw and walk closer to God. Not to judge, not to be better than each other, but to love each other and to encourage each other to walk closer to him. This is it. Jesus actually he said it pretty, pretty clearly. Mark for chapter 16, he said, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone, and anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Go into all the world and preach the good news. Go tell somebody about the good news of Jesus. That's our mission and vision. And continually invite them closer to him. Now for me as your pastor, I'm not a big fan when people miss on Sunday mornings. When you're not here, I miss you. And if you miss too many weeks in a row, I don't know when to call. I'm not sure how to check up on you with that. But I also want to tell you a flip side. I also get a little nervous when I hear about people that are in like three or four Bible studies during the week. I'm like, whoa, what are you spending all your time, you know, getting spiritually fat for? Go, go be with some sinners. <laughs> go out, take that somewhere else. Go outside of the church. Maybe you should lead one of those groups and lead it for people that need to hear the story because that's what God called us to do, to go and tell people about the good news. Jesus lived it out. One of his nicknames that people gave Jesus, they called him a friend of sinners because he was. He had many friends that weren't believers or followers of his, but yet he also had some that were close to him that he held true and dear, that helped him in those times. So we need to do the same thing as Jesus. Um, We need friends who don't tempt us, friends who draw us closer to him um, and help us in that. We need friends out in the crowd that need to know about Jesus and we can help draw them in closer. Um, You need all of those and you need to invite them in to be a part. Um, Initiate some of those calls. Invite them to be a part of what you already know is true. 
And if you haven't taken that step towards the good news, if you haven't said, I am a believer in that, if you haven't taken the step towards baptism, this is what our mission is to tell you about that. And I'd love to share um, with you how to do that. I'd love for you to take that step to follow Jesus, to be baptized. And if you have, we're getting ready to remember what Jesus did for us. It's a time um, every week that we do this where we remember the good news that Jesus gave his life for us. And it's our time to never forget what he did. So if you would, let's stand together, let's sing, and um, get our hearts ready for that time.